to the book of Acts, chapter number 2. We're going to be starting in verse number 40 today. When you arrive there, you can say amen. Verse 40. And, when, and with many other words, he testified and exhorted them, saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. Then those who gladly received his word were baptized. And that day, about 3,000 souls were added to them. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, in fellowship, in breaking of bread, and in prayers. Then great fear came upon every soul. Many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now all who believed were together. Everybody say together. And they had all things in common. And they sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as anyone had need. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house. They ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you, Father, for the power of your word. Thank you, Father, for the wisdom of your word. Thank you, Daddy, for the revelation of your word. Thank you, Father God, for teaching us. Heaven and earth will pass away, but your word will remain. Father, we thank you so much. And as you are our Father who's feeding us this morning. God, we posture ourselves to hear and receive what the Spirit wants to say. Father, I decrease that the power and the Spirit of God increase in me might increase. To the extent, Lord God, that we will be full and enriched and empowered and built up and encouraged unto every good work for the glory of your Son, Jesus, who made it all possible. We love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated in the Lord's presence this morning. Well, good morning again. So good to see each and every one of you. And today, and it was actually supposed to start last week, but we're kicking off a brand new series entitled Alignment. As many of you know that typically around this time of year, we kind of set uh, sort of the direction that God wants to take us in uh, that uh, particular year. For us, it's 2017. I was uh, marveling because it just seems like, I don't know, it seems like the older you get, time just goes faster. Anybody else know what I'm talking about? It seems like the days just go so much faster. But uh, I want to talk together, and so we're going to be talking about alignment for the duration of this month, and today we're going to talk about being aligned together. Everybody say together. Has anyone in here ever tried to drive a car that was badly out of line? Raise your hand. Anybody? Driving a car that is badly out of line is, is very, very taxing and frustrating. 
symptoms of a car that is out of line is that the car is drifting to one side even though you're driving straight. <laughs> Your steering wheel starts to shake. In fact, I had one of those when I was in college because I couldn't afford to get my car fixed, and so my car was so badly out of line. And oftentimes what would happen is my, you know, when I would drive, the car would just pull, and the steering wheel would shake. And, you know, and, and what happens with that is that it's not a very pleasant experience because how many know driving is frustrating enough? And, and, and you hate to be trying to fight the car while you're trying to get someplace. And so driving is supposed to be a pleasant experience. But when something is out of line, it just it doesn't function right with the car. You're using up more energy to keep that car on the road. Your stress and tension level goes up because you can't focus on the task that is at hand. You're burning more gas because the car is fighting against itself. And to make matters worse, you're probably embarrassed to even uh, to ride somebody in the car because you know you're going to get the obvious question, what is wrong with your car? So, however, when a car is properly aligned, it is a very pleasant experience. You use up less energy because the car and all of its parts are moving in the same direction. Your stress level is way down because of the smooth, unified riding of the car. You're saving money, and not only that, you actually love riding people in your car. In fact, you're more apt to say, hey, won't you come take a ride in my nice, smooth riding car? So it is with a car out of line. The church can be the exact same way. When the church is not properly aligned, it's not a pleasant experience. You use up more energy than what you should have. Uh, we start fighting and pulling in opposite directions. Your stress level and your tension is increased. And how many know that when you come into the house of God, you don't want your stress level to increase? How many of you, you, want, to, you want that to decrease? How many of you know what I'm talking about? And when a church is out of line, you're not anxious to invite other people. Because you don't want people to experience all the bumps and the bruises along the way. And so church is not designed to be that way. One of the things we must learn about the kingdom of God is that God has a divine order and way in which he facilitates his will in the earth. You've oftentimes heard me say this, that the church is the light of the world. The church, as uh, Dr. Tony Evans said in that video, said that uh, if we can't get a unified country until we first get a unified church. So God has called us to be aligned one with another. And everybody must do their part. But in order for us to be where we need to be in 2017, how many know that we need to be in line with each other? We can't, we, how many know that we can't be fighting and we can't be pulling and we can't be going in opposite directions because we cannot be what God has called us to be? And if you've ever been in a church, that's, uh, how many have ever been in a church that's uh, out of line? What I mean by that is a church that's very divisive. Anybody ever experienced that? Uh, can I say this? I want to say this to you. I'd rather be in a church with 50 folks that are unified, love one another, fired up with the Holy Ghost, and be in, be in a church with 5,000 people where they're at their throats, at each other's throats. Because there's nothing more beautiful than unity. There's nothing more beautiful than being one 
with God and, and doing the things that God want us to be. And so I, I, I want to say this because our church can be whatever we want it to be. In fact, I want you to say that with me. Our church, that means, come on, y'all, y'all ready? This is, this is your assignment for today. You ready? Our church can be what we want it to be. But this thing of, of unity, it is not something that is optional. When you think about all that the apostles and all that the disciples did, one thing, one thing we know they had together was, was that they were unified. They were one. And all that God had called them to do, it required it. It required that, that it, how many know that unity don't mean that you agree on everything? Can I say something to you? This might shock some of you. You're not going to agree with every person on everything. It's amazing to me, though, when we come to church, we act like we're supposed to agree on everything. We're not going to agree on everything. But what it does mean is that there are, there are common goals and values that we had deemed that are more important than our disagreements. And those things, that goal, it holds us together for a greater purpose. But we must understand, though, that if, if we're going to do anything significant for God, and I believe that you're here this morning, you didn't come here just to hear another sermon. I believe that you want to make a difference. I believe that God has called us to make a difference. He's called us to reach our community. He's called us to change lives. He's called us to be that light. And in order for that to happen, church, how many know we need to work together? What is the power of working together? Every time I talk about this subject of alignment and unity, I cannot escape Genesis chapter number 11. For many of you, you remember that particular uh, passage in the Bible, but it was after the flood. And after the flood, uh, uh, you know, God had basically was kind of reestablishing. He had Noah. They got off the got off the boat and God began to populate the earth all over again. And so some of the folks decided they wanted to build a tower. God had wanted them to build and to populate the entirety of the earth. He wanted them to spread out. But these folks decided that, no, we're not going to spread out. We're going to build a tower all the way up to heaven. How I many know that, that sounds impossible? We're going to build it. So we call it the Tower of Babel. And in Genesis chapter 11, I'm just going to read a, a couple of verses in there. In Genesis chapter 11, look at verse number 4. And they said, come. This is what they said. Let us build ourselves a city. And a tower whose top is in the heavens. Now, I want you to understand, they didn't have cranes. They didn't have the kind of materials that we have today to build. Y'all understand what I'm talking about. And so, so they said, come, let us build ourselves a city, a tower whose top is in the heavens. And let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be scattered abroad over the face of the whole earth. But look at this. But the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the sons of men had built. Look at this. And the Lord said this. Indeed, the people are one. Everybody say one. He said, indeed, the people are one and they have all one language. In other words, they were unified. They were all speaking the same language. This core value, this principle that they had established, they were going to do this thing. But look, this is what this verse amazes me because look what God says. He says, and this is what they began to do now. Nothing that they purposed to do 
will be withheld from them. Nothing that they purpose to do will be withheld from them. Why? Because of the force and the power of unity. Now, so God said, so God is seeing this. And God says in verse 7, come, let us go down, talking about the Trinity, and there confuse their language. That they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord scattered them abroad from there over the face of all the earth, and they ceased from building the city. Now, I want you to understand something about this. The only thing that stopped them was the fact that they were outside of the will of God. That was the only thing that stopped them. But God said, had he not came down and intercepted, that they would have been able to accomplish that. Church, I want you to imagine. Imagine being inside of God's will. Imagine being within the confines of what he has called us to do and and wants us to do. Imagine that if we came together, that we came together in unity, that everybody's on the same page. How many know the sky is the limit? Does anybody believe what I'm talking about today? There's nothing that will be impossible for us. Why? Because that's the principle that God has established in the earth. With everything that, when you think about everything that God did with people, with the New Testament church, how many know they were one and they, 12, how many know the 12 folk, it was just 12, they turned the whole world upside down because they were unified and they knew what God had called them to do. And so we understand that nothing can really stop us. If we're inside the will of God, and I want to say that, if we're inside the will of God, nothing can stop us. The only thing that can stop us is us. Look at your neighbor and say, the only thing that can stop you is you. See, we're inside the will of God, and we purpose to do something amazing for God. The sky's the limit. Look at this. Uh, Matthew chapter 12, verses 24 through 27. Jesus says, a house divided cannot stand. A house divided cannot stand. He says, now, when the Pharisees heard it, they, said, they were talking about Jesus. They said, this fellow, because Jesus was casting out demons. They said, this fellow does not cast out demons except by Beelzebub. In other words, the devil. The ruler of the demons. But Jesus knew their thoughts. Look at this, church. And he said to them, every kingdom. Listen to this, church. Every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation. In every city or house divided against itself, it will not stand. All right? He didn't say it might. He said it will not stand. If Satan casts out Satan, he is divided against himself. Hmm. How then will his kingdom stand? And if I cast out demon by Beelzebub, by whom do your sons cast them out? Therefore, they will be your judges. So let's kind of let's go back a little bit here. So here they're, they're accusing Jesus of, of basically casting out demons because he is one of them. And Jesus essentially said to them, and I'm just going to summarize and paraphrase. He says, Satan is smarter than y'all. How many know Satan a lot of times is more unified than the church? Because how many know Satan, Satan is not going to shoot himself in the foot? In fact, the Bible says that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and spiritual wickedness in high places. In other words, there are ranks of demons. They, 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 listen to me. They, they are in agreement. 
And what does Satan, what does he want to do? He wants to try to destroy the church. He can't do it. He won't do it because of the power of God. But, but he wants to destroy churches. He wants to do whatever he can to try to stop the move of God. And the only way he's going to do that is he got to be, he got to be unified with his demons. So Jesus says, the saint ain't that stupid. Satan even understands this principle. He utilizes it, but he utilizes it for evil. But he even understands. Jesus says Satan is not that stupid. Satan is not going to cast out Satan. Then how many know that we are supposed to be wiser than that? If the enemy understands that, how many know we got to understand this principle? We need to understand this. I believe sometimes the church is on a, it makes you wonder. I wonder sometimes if the church is on a suicide mission. You know what I mean by that is sometimes we're trying to hurt each other. The often time you heard me say sometimes I say the church one of the only organizations where we shoot our own wounded. I, I never understand it. It's like, it's like, what are we doing? We know how to do this. God has shown us how to do this. In fact, Psalm 133, verses 1 down to verse number 3, listen to this. It says, Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. It is like the precious oil upon the head running down on the beard, the beard of Aaron, running down on the edge of his garments, and it is like the dew of Hermon descending upon the mountain of Zion, for there the Lord commanded, everybody say commanded, blessing and life forevermore. So think about it. Unity is good. Unity is pleasant. It's attractive. When people are one together, when people are loving each other, when people are supporting each other, it's a beautiful thing. But here's the reason why we need to do everything that we can to get there, because he says, for there the Lord commands blessing. I don't know about you. How many of you want the blessing of God in your life? So listen, if I want, if we want the blessing of God, then how many know unity is worth fighting for? Come on. Unity is worth fighting for. Why? Because he says God commands the blessing. And when God blesses something, how many know you'll know God blesses? Stuff starts to happen when God blesses it. But you got to understand something. Let me say that I, I want to park right here for a moment because I, I, I want to talk to us. Can I be real this morning? Can we talk? Um, unity is hard work. It's not an easy concept. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 through 3, it says, therefore, the prison of the Lord, Paul said, I'm the prison of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling for which you have been called. With all lowliness and gentleness and with long suffering, that means patience, <laughs> bearing with one another, endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. So we understand the unity is hard work. You know, but some of us, for an example, some of us are Pentecostal. We got into Pentecostal, grew up Pentecostal in here. Baptists. Some of you are Methodists. Some of us are Catholics. Some of us, we, we just have different worship experiences. Some of us come from different walks of life. All our experiences are different. And that's why Jesus says that one of the things that will send a message to the world is that, our that we have unity and diversity. It's a very powerful thing, and the way you accomplish that is through love. And so, and so how do we get to this thing of unity? Because we understand that it's not going to be easy. We understand it's going to be hard. We know that it's worth fighting for because of the benefits and the beauty of it. 
And we can accomplish things when we're there. So how do we get there? He tells us. He says we got to be humble. How many know, I mean, know that, 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 that God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble? That means that you can't think more highly of yourself than you ought to think. Amen. Look at yourself and say amen. <laughs> so, and we got to be patient with one another. Now, I want you to understand, we got to be patient. Look at your neighbor and say patient. Can I say this? Let me say this. Every one of you sitting in this room, to some extent, we are all broken. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying this morning? Every one of us is broken. Can I say something to you? Somebody in this room is going to offend you. Somebody in this room is going to do something you don't like and outside of this room. Somebody is not going to do what they're supposed to do when they are supposed to do it. Why? Because we are all broken. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? But it's amazing to me because the church, we always act shocked. Like, I'm offended. I can't believe. And and what happens is, here's what what people have a lot of tendency to do. This is what people, there's some folks that have a history of doing this. Every time they get offended, they walk. They walk out of their marriage. They walk off a job. They walk off of a church. And here's what happens. They keep on being offended because how many know God's going to teach you how to deal with that? Because Jesus said offenses will come. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? So here's what I'm trying to say to you. There's, as long as there are people on the earth, there is not going to be people doing it all right all the time. That's why the Bible says be patient and long-suffering. That's my old Baptist verse, voice. Long-suffering. Why? Because it's hard. Why? Because we can't expect perfection from one another. Only Jesus is that. So that's why he said, he says, endeavor to keep the unity. He says, endeavor. Why? Because it's hard work. You know, this pretty picture of unity, it just doesn't happen overnight. You know, we, we look at, you know, you, you look at a wonderful marriage and you see somebody, you see a couple like my wife and I, you know, I think we got a good marriage. I mean, my wife and I, we actually, my kids will tell you, my, we, we actually, we don't just love each other. We like each other. Y'all know what I mean when I I say that? I mean, we actually like each other. You follow me? And and, and people, and sometimes you look at that, and can I say something to you? And and, and I think that we're relatively healthy. We got a healthy relationship. But let me tell you something. We're unified, but let me tell you something. That picture did not come easy. It came through, watch this, it came through some pain. It came sometimes through tears. It comes sometimes through misunderstanding. It comes through frustration. Sometimes, listen, church, oftentimes unity comes through mess. Oh, y'all, y'all not listening to me this morning. Because, see, what, what, what happens is, you think about it. If you walk into a church and you walk in that church and you say, man, this is a wonderful church, man. This is great, man. These folks are just, I just love this. This is beautiful. Let me tell you something. If you were to, have, if you were to sit down. And have a conversation with that pastor, those leaders who've been there for a minute. They'll tell you about all the pain, all the struggles, how hard it was to get there. How many know unity takes work? Takes work. This thing of unity, it just don't pop up. I don't know why in a church we think sometimes it's just supposed to happen. No, oftentimes it's a mess because you're a part of it. I'm a part of it. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? We are a mess. That's why we have to have grace and patience with one another as God is working stuff out of all of us until we be conformed completely to the 
to the image of Christ. And so the same stuff that you use to get to unity is the same stuff we use to stay in unity. So Paul says we got to endeavor. He says this is how you get there. It don't just happen. Well, I just need to get with the right folk. I just need to get with the right person. I just need to marry the right person. Y'all don't talk. Sometimes you just, need to, you just need to have a little bit of patience. Sometimes you need to, I mean, no, sometimes we need to look at ourselves. Come on. I'll be the first one. We need to look at ourselves. Because if, 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 I, if I understand it right, the Bible says that, 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 that we are to be conformed to the image of Christ. That suggests that we're not yet there. <laughs> Come on, church. So let's stop treating each other like we're there and have a little bit of compassion with one another. Can we say amen to that, church? All right. So what is the number one enemy of unity? Watch this. It's selfishness. Bible says in Philippians chapter 2, if we're going to attain unity, how many know we can't be selfish? One of the things about the church, if we can get this into our spirits, I want you to hear this. If we can get this into our spirits, Now, I'm saying all this because God is setting us up. See, we're talking about the things that we're going to need to do in order to make a difference in our community. What we're talking about is what we need to do to be the church, that be an encouraging church, a church that builds, a church that inspires, a church that touches not only this city and this community, but nations. If we're going to do that, these are the things we got to do. Or we'll be spinning our tires. It says in Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 and 4, let nothing, nothing be done through selfish ambition. How many know God don't have a problem with you being ambitious? In fact, there's plenty of scripture in the Bible that talks about you, you should strive to be all that you can be in Jesus' name. But there's a difference between being ambitious and being selfish. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? He says, let nothing be done, nothing and this is the harder part because by nature, we all are default to think about ourselves. I'm right about it. We're just, we're, in fact, we have to force ourselves a lot of times to think about the well-being of somebody else. I'm, and I'm talking particularly, I'm not, I'm not talking about your mom or your dad. I'm talking about those who are outside of that realm. Y'all know what I'm talking about. It takes work. Mm, but, but the work is worth it. Uh, it says, let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit. But in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others, right? Let each esteem others better than themselves. Boy, that'd take a whole lot of humility right there. I got to esteem you better than me. Oh, wow. That's tough when, when I kind of think I'm better than you. Come here, y'all see the conflict there. Let each of you look, watch this. Let each of you look, not, look out not only for your own interests, but also for the interests of other people. This is how you get to unity that we always got to be thinking about somebody else. You see, see, selfish ambition, this is how, this is how it works. See, when, when someone is involved in, a, in who got a selfish attitude, see, it's all about them, it's all for them, and nothing else matters but them. Let me say that again. It's all about them, it's all for them, and nothing else matters but them. Because all that matter is, this is what God called me to do. I, we had, y'all remember, some of y'all remember this. We had one brother, and I can talk about him because I don't even know his name. He came here like one Sunday. He was sitting in that chair. He was upset. Came here, had a musical gift. And he basically said that, here, I want to I come inside your church, and, 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 uh, and I'm going to play. 
And, and he said, if you need to call me, you need to do that. He started telling me all this stuff. I said, okay, brother. I said, great, then come on in and, and get to know our folks. And he came in here. He sit in the back. He sit with his hand like this the whole time. And he was mad, and he told somebody else. He said, he's going to recognize my gift. I don't, I just, I'd have met the brother briefly. And, and the, whole thing, the, the, whole thing was, the whole thing about it was that I welcome your gift, brother, but it ain't just about you. Come on, church. It's not, a, just, it's not just about you. God ain't gifted you. Just, I mean, you listen, come into relation. Let's get to know one another. Let's see. But, you know, you get so folks in Christians, we know how to do that, man. I, I got to do what God's called me to do. And sometimes we say that as if we're solo. But you will never accomplish what God wants you to accomplish without other people. And as long as there's other people on the planet, you're going to have problems with people. I, some of y'all saying like, I'm shocked, Pastor. Why are you? I'm telling you, as long, this is why you got to be chilling. You, you can't take this stuff this seriously. As long as there are people on the planet, there are going to be problems. And the way that we work through them is, watch this, bear it up. He said, bear with one another. But what we like to do, we don't like that bearing part. We like, we like to. This is, what, this is what we do. You know why? Because that's the easy way out. But here's the thing. You'll spend 15, 20, 30 years and stand in the same spot until you learn what God wants us to learn. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying this morning? So some people have been married 25 times, and they don't even realize. I mean, I'm listening to somebody tell me the other day, somebody was married like 70 times. Like, how do you do that? How? I mean, I mean, one is harder. Come on, eight, what, what? How do you do that? And if you talk to them, the problem is always with the person they married. Ain't them? Can I look, can I be honest with you? It's you. <laughs> it's you. I know you don't want to hear that, but y'all, y'all, y'all you know, we got to be honest with each other. Be- because, because these are folks that are ever learning, as the scripture says, but never coming to the knowledge of the truth. And if you, listen, you can ever be, just because you're getting information, don't mean you're getting revelation, because revelation has a way of changing you. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? So, in everything we do, we must always consider how it affects our brother and sister in Christ. If we're going to be a unified church in 2017 doing what God's called us to do, i got to think about my decision and how it's going to affect everybody else. i got to think about that. And, and I, can't, I can't have an attitude where I'm just going to get mine. But think about it. What if Jesus would have thought that way? What if Jesus came into earth and he was thinking, I'm going to get mine? You know, really, what it means to get yours means to die. Oh, y'all don't want to hear that either. You know, Moses, Moses had a hard go of it because y'all remember Moses. This ain't even in my notes. But y'all remember Moses. He struggled. Moses got so mad because the people got on his nerve. And Moses said, Lord, he said, look, take me out of here. He said, get these people off the chain. He said, they're off the hook. He said, he said, man, just, just get rid of He said, I don't want nothing else. He said, why did you put, give me, lay all this on me? And God had to teach Moses, Moses, my people are a mess. And not only that, Moses, you are a mess too. Does some of us know how to make our mess look a little bit better? Some of us really know how to polish our mess? Come on, church. 
But we, but, but we all a mess. But, 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 but the way that we deal with it is we bear with one another. We, we, we're always thinking about one another. And, and, and you know what? And we're forgiving each other. We're required to do that. Because if we don't operate that way, we can't have the kind of unity that God wants us to have. See, if you want advancement in the kingdom, you got to seek to elevate somebody else. You know, y- y'all remember Joseph? Joseph, man, had a rough go of it. And everything that Joseph did, he did to try to better not just himself, but everybody else. Remember, when he was in the prison, he served the prisoners. Am I right? When he was in Potiphar's house, he served Potiphar. Y'all remember that. And, and everything, everything that brother did, he served. He was always thinking about somebody else. Is there no wonder that, that this brother Joseph became the second in all command of Egypt? The people that God used the most are the people that are willing to sacrifice the most. And that sometimes means that you're going to have to bear up under some stuff that you don't necessarily like. But it's the way to growth. How many of you want to grow in God? I, I heard. How many of you want to grow in God? So unity is possible. I just want you to. I just want you to understand. It just doesn't happen. It, it, it happens because we work at it. Yeah, we work hard at it. I mean, we forgive each other. We sit down and 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 we say we're gonna figure this out. We, we, we're gonna make this thing work. Why? Because we're kingdom people. And not only that, you got to live with me for eternity. You know, the folk that you walk away from that you don't like or marriage or whatever, relationship. How many know if they're Christians, you're going to have to see them again? I wonder what that's going to be like in heaven. Some of the folks that just stood their ground. Hmm. I mean, I'd rather rather work on it right now. Come on, church. Come on. I'd rather rather work on it right now because I don't know about you, but I want the blessing of God. I want to leave. Anybody want to leave a mark on this earth? You know, I want I want to leave a mark on this earth. So, you know what? I got to do what God's called me to do. And you know what? If that means I got to get down in the dirt with it, I'll get down in the dirt with it. I ain't going to stay there with it, but I'll get down there with it. So that we can begin to to make a difference and move forward in what God's called us to do. In closing. So. So as I think of this. Y'all know my closings, you know, pastoral closing take a couple minutes, but you can go ahead and play the piano, brother. That's fine. Uh, I love Brother David. You know, David's a good guy. He's, you know, he's a cowboy fan. The Lord is with him. Can't you see it? Amen. He's just anointed. I mean, he, he's, ever since he came, his, his, his game boy has gone way up because he loved the cowboys. All right, stop. This. All right. I was going to say that for the end of my sermon, but I couldn't resist. Okay. So, four areas. Y'all got to get serious. Come back. Y'all back. Come back. Come back. Come back. So, as I look at the chapter, the, the, the book of Acts. So I love the book of Acts when, in this particular chapter because every time I see that verse, I, it's something inside of me that says, oh, gosh. How can I be in a church like that, man? Well, just, just those folks, man, they, they love each other. And, and they, they, God is blessing them and miracles are happening. People are getting saved. It, it, it talks about, I mean, look at this picture. It says, it says, in, it says that in verse 24, that they were together. They had everything in common. They, they sold their possessions and they divided them among the poor. 
They continued daily with one accord in the temple, breaking bread, house to house, ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God, having favor with all the people. And the Lord just blessed them with more people. And I asked myself the question over and over again, God, what was it? What did they do? What did they do that facilitated that? Because I want you to understand that they too were people with like passions like us. They weren't in a different. They still had problems. They still had issues that they had to grapple with. In fact, you read the book of Acts. There were times and there was a lot of conflict even within the church. But they worked it out. And because they stayed at it and said, we're going to do this. Man, they were able to accomplish great things. Four things I saw that they did. And the Bible says they continued in it. That means that they stayed with it. They stayed with it. In fact, you can argue that to the measure of how well we do these four things that they did will determine the success of not just our ministry, but any ministry as it relates to being on one accord. They continued. Here's what they did. Number one, it says that they continued in the apostles' doctrine. In other words, the word of God was the center of everything that they did. I want to ask you a question today. How many, of you, how many of you believe this? I believe that every issue that we have in the church, every problem, every circumstance, how many know that we ought to be going back to the Bible and saying, what does the Bible say about that? The Bible should resolve everything. We, we don't, listen, but we do more talking around the Bible than let's do with the scripture. It's amazing when people want to get... Uh, how can I say it? When people don't want to do it, they don't want to do what the Bible says, they figure out a way to rational, to get, to get out of it. Well, I don't want to be spiritual right now. Why are we doing this? What, this is the time to be spiritual. We're in trouble. That's, what does the word say? They continued in the apostle doctrine. Simply means, church, that here's what they did. They followed their leaders and what they were teaching because they believed they were teaching the word of God. And so what they did was they, they continued. They listened to what was being taught. They read. They made sure that everything was on the up. And they followed. The word of God settled everything. I mean, the word of God and the apostles. These apostles were the folks that helped write scriptures. They were great men and women of faith. And, and they continued. In other words, what they were being taught, they said, you know what? We're going to stay in it. We're going to stay with it. We're not going to be in and out. We're going to stay with it. How many know that the word of God must be the center, the glue to hold our church together? Any church. The word of God. Any church that you see that starts to deviate from this, I, I don't care how big they are. They are not a church that is in sync with what God is trying to do because God will never contradict this. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying this morning? He ain't going to contradict his word. Number two, they fellowshiped. They said they continued in this. Fellowship means, and I studied that in the Greek, it's close association. But it's not only that, it's partnership. In other words, they work together. They were in regular fellowship one with another. They partnered together to get, they said, look, we got a work to do. I'm not going to let brother and sister do it by themselves. I'm going to jump in. We're going to do this together. They were always together. And the Bible says in one part, in verses 46, it says how they ate bread together, going from house to house. Come on, church. They were fellowshipping. 
This was a priority in their church. They partnered together. They say, we're going to do it together. And this, watch this church. This was the most important thing. You know what the most important thing to the early church was? It's to make sure that God's kingdom was being advanced. That was it. And so they fellowship to the end. And then as they said, then the third point they did, they broke bread. In other words, in this particular context, in verse 42, it's talking about communion. It broke bread. What's amazing about communion? And we do communion here at Foundation Church uh, once a month. One of the amazing things about communion is that every time we do communion, and I believe it was the same for them, Jesus says, do this as often as you do it. Do it in remembrance of me. How many know that sometimes when we are in relationship with each other, sometimes we lose sight of the big picture? Y'all know what I'm talking about? Every time we take, every time we take communion, it reminds us of why we're doing this in the first place. Every time, every time we take communion, it's like, oh yeah, that's why we're doing this. That's why I'm going through this stuff with you. That's why I'm putting up with you, husband. That's why I'm putting up with you, wife. That's why I'm not walking away from a job. That's why I'm doing this, because it's about the advancement of the kingdom. It's about Jesus. So they broke bread. But not only broke bread in communion, but they broke bread from house to house, as I said earlier. How many know that it's amazing that when you fellowship with somebody else, that, that when you got some conflicts, some issues, that you sit down, over, sit down over some Popeyes? It's amazing how many relationships that's been healed over Popeyes chicken. I mean, it's amazing, man. We, we sit down with one another and let's talk. Let's break bread together. Let's, 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 let's talk. Let's reason. Let's, let's, let's come into my space. Let's, let's talk. It's amazing how many relationships have been fixed over a meal, sitting at the table, breaking bread. I'm telling you, it's a wonderful thing. They did this. They did it. And they stayed at it. And then they prayed. They continue to pray. These are four things they did. The apostles' doctrine, they continue in. They fellowship. They broke bread together. Took communion together. They prayed. Prayers. How many know that we need to do, take more time? I believe if we spend more time praying to God about things, then we spend less time talking about things in a way that's not going to be helpful. Are y'all hearing me what I'm saying? They made sure that they just not pray individually, but they pray collectively because they understood the prayer was the engine that made everything work. How many know that it takes a supernatural power of God for all of us to come together from different walks of life and be able to walk together and make this thing work? How many know it takes the power of God? It takes the power of God to reach a city. We're not kidding ourselves. We can come up with all the great programs and the great things that we can do, but if it's not connected to the anointing and the power of God, then let me tell you, it's for naught. We got to have this. And what prayer does, it facilitates the, pra- the power of God. And how many know prayer would keep you humble? And prayer would keep you from gossiping. <laughs> prayer would keep you healthy. Why? Because we're, we're, we're giving it to God. So the next time a brother and sister, they come to you and they got an issue and they're mad about something with somebody, grab them by the hand and say, let's, let's go up. Let's talk to daddy about it. And I, I guarantee you, I, watch how they stand in shock. Like, hold up, wait a minute. 
come on, let's let's go up. This is we got a problem. Let's talk to God. I got a problem with my marriage. Got, ah, let's, let's talk to God. I got a problem with my boss. Let's go let's talk to God about it. It's a time to talk to people, and we need to do that. But we can't underestimate the power of prayer. They did these four things. They broke bread. They prayed. They fellowship. They continued in the doctrine. And God, and what was the results? Here's the results. They felt the presence and power of God. Verse 43. You can just look at it yourself. They were like, wow, God just, God showed up. And miracles started to happen. Oh, God. How many know that unity is the breeding ground for miracles? Unity. And they like, verse 44, they like being together. That was the result of their unity. They care for each other's needs. They made sure that if you got a need, if you got a need, I'm right here with you. I'll do whatever I can, but you're not alone. How many of you want to know when you're going through it, you want to know that you're not alone? Come on, church. You want to know that you're not alone. They were happy. The Bible said they ate their stuff with gladness and simplicity of heart. Man, they were happy and they were excited. Because, I mean, the atmosphere was energetic. It was full of life. It was attractive. And the Lord added, God said, these people are doing it right. Not because they was perfect. He said, but these people are doing it right. And God added to them daily. I mean, no. That the anointing does come with a price. It comes with a price. It's called surrender to the will of God. As we continue for the rest of the month, I'll be sharing some things and we're going to be talking about some things that we're going to be doing relationally that will, and I already outlaid this for our staff, but we're going to be doing some things that will help put us in position where the power of God is working mightily in our lives. Because I can't be what I need to be without you. How many know we need each other? I need you. I'm not an island unto myself. I need you. We need one another. And if we think that way, I believe it pleases the heart of our Father. Because every person in this room, God died for you. And you're valuable. Are y'all hearing me? Every one of you. Every head is bowed. Every eye is closed.